Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's happening. It's happening, Captain. And uh, get a hold of us on Facebook. What does that even mean? Uh, <laughs> Facebook is the place to be for uh, our stuff. We also have... Um, I've been doing an experiment, as you know, for the last year, I guess. Was it was it the last year? I think it's been the last year. Where we upload a daily video to the internets. And uh, we have been putting uh, shows together. We have been doing... Uh, I, I've, I've been putting interviews and things like that that we do. Uh, together on our website, JiggyJaguar.com, and uh, also on TuneIn and iTunes and Radio Loyalty. Yes, Radio Loyalty. I got a, I got a pop out of the computer. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we have got all sorts of things happening here. But... In this broadcast, Frank Fernuccio joins us at the bottom of the air. Mr. Frank, we're also going to be chatting with a great guest at 15 after. But right now, here's this on our big broadcast. We're we're working on that. We're working on that right now. Go ahead and give us a brief introduction, Madeline. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I'm Madeline Hitoria and a uh, singer-songwriter from Deep South Texas. I've been doing this for a very long time. Uh, my first performance, man, was, oh my goodness, 21 years ago. I was only five years old uh, with my first performance, and it's just been nonstop ever since. Uh, I got my band together when I was in high school, and we've been doing opening acts for, for big names and you know, traveling here around the region in Texas and, and just trying to get more and more out there. Well, I'll tell you, you have a great background, and uh, we've got some good music we're going to be playing here in a few. How did you get started uh, doing the music thing? Oh, could you repeat that last thing you said? The music thing. How did you get started in the music business, Madeline? Oh, yes, sir. So um, the influence, first of all, came from my family. Uh, My mom's side of the family are very musically inclined. Uh, they always have a guitar in their hand and always singing, and every time we get together as a family and have barbecues or grilling and uh, around the fire, bonfires, anything. So, you know, the love of music came from there. And then when I was around 14, 15 years old, there was a talent search going on in my region, in my area. For uh, Actually, it was mainly for modeling and acting and all that, but, you know, I still consider that an introduction to, to the industry of performing arts. And so um, I was into that, and I did some vocal performance lessons with them and and i competed in different competitions with them as far as acting goes and it was just a plus that i think and uh you know locally too i just around my area i i got involved in different um you know of course i was in choir and um like i said i put my band together when i was in high school and i actually was songwriting all on my own uh, when i was about 13 years old and when i was 15 is when i was really proud of my first official song and started playing it with guitar and so um 
yeah, it was just, uh, it's just been something natural for me, you know, music. Um, no one's ever really done anything professional in my in my family with it. Um, they're all so talented, and I'm the first one to really pursue it, and they're, they're all very supportive of me. Well, we're going to play some of your music right now. Please stand by, Madeline, here on...
Texas country artist Madeline Victoria with us today here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com, MadelineVictoriaMusic.com is Madeline's official website. We welcome back Madeline Victoria to the iHeartRadio presentation here today. That was an incredible song. Um, tell me a little bit about the writing process for that song. Oh, yes, definitely. And uh, uh, can you tell me what song that you played right now? Because just because I couldn't hear it, I'm so sorry. He Only Loves Me on the Dance Floor was one of the big hits we just played, Madeline. Awesome, awesome, yes. Um, I wrote this song about, let's see, man, five or six years ago. It's been a while, and uh, it's just the inspiration came from here, being from Texas, uh, all the dance halls that I go to, and, you know, same story, but told in a different way, kind of, uh, you know, the line, He Only Loves Me on the Dance Floor, and, you can get the kind of gist of being in a dance hall, and actually, you know, it starts off with, with uh, the idea of getting ready to go out and whatnot. And you know, a lot of people have, a lot of people have told me that they can relate so much to this. Um, even some guys are like, you know, that girl, she only loves me on the dance floor. You head out there, and you guys have a great time dancing. And you never know what comes of it. You know, it's something serious, something not. And um, it's just really the gist of, of of it all, like you know, going out and having a good time at the dance hall, and sometimes. And even maybe even an old love that you see there at the dance hall, and you're like, man, you know, it's kind of kind of like me and my story of, of an ex of an ex boyfriend, and you know, we loved to go dancing, and you know, it ended up he really did only love me on the dance floor. So, <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm I'm excited about that song that you know how much it's uh, it's done so well with everybody, and you know, you can see my music video um, online anywhere uh, for this one, and uh, and I'm glad people are enjoying it, and I hope everyone that listen to it right now liked it as well of course madeline victoria with us today here on amfm247.com iHeartRadio as well and uh madeline we're gonna go to your next track here in a few moments uh you have got some uh some great music out there if people want to purchase your music or book you for a gig how exactly do they do that Oh, yes, they can go to uh, my website, MadelineVictoriaMusic.com, or they can actually message me directly on my Facebook page, Madeline Victoria. I've got myself and another, you know, always monitoring the the Facebook, and so I'm on there myself, and I like to do things firsthand. And so if anybody wants to, you know, purchase my music um, from my website, um, they can go to uh, anywhere online as well that that music is sold, or if you guys like to stream, it's, uh, it's there. And then also if they want to contact me about a booking, or just want to, you know, say hi or say something, whatever, uh, they can message me on Facebook. Madeline Victoria with us today. And uh, Madeline, you've got a lot of good music out there. Uh, tell us about some of the folks you've collaborated with in the past. Oh, could you say that one Collaborated, so working with folks, collaborated, making music. Tell us about some of the people you've worked with. <laughs> There we go. Now I can hear you. Yes, tell us about the collaborations, Madeline. <laughs> well, as far as shows go, you know, I've done a lot of shows with uh, collaborations, Madeline. Uh, share the stage with with a couple. Uh, my first one was Ethan Corbin that I did. You know, I consider a big name um, back in man. It was like 2012, I believe. And then ever since then, it's been, you know, from Clay Walker to Josh Thompson, uh, Aaron Watson, um, Texas artists, um, Austin, Texas artists. And then also my, my biggest ones have been the Charlie Daniels Band and uh, also the Zach Brown Band and, and sharing the stage with them and getting to know the band behind stage and also, you know, sharing their crowd, you know, being able to, to play for, for their crowds and, and, you know, see if they like my music is just a, 
an amazing thing, and, you know, I'm hoping for a lot more and, you know, an actual tour with one of these bigger artists, and it looks like we're getting there. Well, tell me about Wild Ride. That's Wild Ride. We're going to play it here in a few moments. Tell me about Wild Ride. That song, actually, um, I wrote uh, with the inspiration of being out in the back roads. Um, my uncle has a deer lease here in South Texas, and we were going with him to go check on the feeders and, and uh, you know, check to see if he had any, uh, you know, whatever he was checking on out there in the land. And we went with him, me and my, my family, and we were all in his truck, and it, it was it's crazy and bumpy and, like, you know, it was pitch black. And my mom was like, you know, this is a wild ride. And I said, man, that's a song right there. So, you know, I always dedicated to my Uncle Joe for taking us out there and the inspiration of just having a good time with family. And, uh, you know, it goes from there, and, and, and I hope everyone enjoys it. Well, we know you've got a busy day, Madeline, so we're going to play Wild Ride and let you go. I appreciate you being with us today here on AMFM. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Here's Wild
Jiggy Jaguar Show on JiggyJaguar.com. Welcome back to our big program, Coast to Coast. Tune in, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and of course, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world, iHeartRadio as well. We are going to make a call to our... Welcome to Verizon Wireless. We're sorry, Verizon the number Wireless. you have dialed has calling restrictions that have prevented the completion of your call. And that- Of course, it's got... Uh, Preventive restrictions. So, we must call them on our deal here. We're going to see if we can pull up our guest, Susan Shaver. Hello? Hey, Susan. It's James Lowe with KJ Radio. How are you today? Hey there, how are you? Long time to talk. <laughs> well, uh, I, I wanted to get you on today. We were, I was talking to the great Erwin Zucker earlier today, and, uh, oh, he is, uh, he I is, think he's oversold me. Oh, he, he, he oversold, sells everybody, including me, and Good. he does that when I'm on the phone <laughs> okay. with him. but uh (laughs) but we've got susan shaver with us today she's the author of surviving paradise she guested with us several weeks ago received rave reviews from our listeners and we've got her back today here in our broadcast and uh this time we're talking sports with susan who's been called by many the nation's number one female sports fan and authority now how did you how exactly did you how, how do you rate your fame Oh, I think that's overblown. Now, I am a sports fan. I am a sports fanatic. I mean, sometimes people think it's a little freakish. But I also find that I do find other people and other women that are big sports fans. So, you know, it's it's not quite the rarity that it used to be. Well, I'll tell you, when I was talking with Erwin earlier today, he made some comment to me about the fact that you are such a sports fan and that you, you, you are, you are into sports so much that you need to write a book on how to get women interested in sports. And I said, <laughs> I well, I will mention that to her when we're on the air. So I've, I've, I've mentioned well, it I to you now. I will that. I will <laughs> you know, I did a sports and pop culture blog for two years at my website. So I have about 2,000 posts where I did you know, write about sporting events and that sort of thing. And I have considered at some point I'd, I'd have to have help because I'm not computer savvy enough, but I'd have to have some help capturing them and then maybe writing a forward about what made me get interested in doing that because it's a passion and, um, you know, calling it musings of an amateur sports blogger or something See, like that. there that, you go. That's kind of twirled around in my mind. I've had that percolating. <laughs> Well, look at that. We've, we've already put the groundwork in right here. See? There you go. There you go. That's, that's right. We're putting the bricks down. Yep, yep, that's yep. right. Now, 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 Susan, uh, I know that, that it seemed like back in the day there was a lot of folks that they weren't into sports. They didn't understand sports. But now women are, are gravitating towards this and you see it in the marketing on commercials and, uh, things during games. Uh, you, you, oh, absolutely. So h- how did we get to this point, Susan? Well, I think it's probably a kind of along with all different types of, of, you know, jobs and careers and that sort of thing where women have wanted to 
be a part of it and, um, you know, just look at the different um, women that we have just on ESPN alone. You know, you've got Michelle Beadle, Erin Andrews, uh, Michelle Tafoya, uh, you know, just the various ones, Kendrick, you know, all the ladies who do some type of commentating or they have their own shows, but still with most of the team sports, you know, particularly say like football, basketball, that sort of thing, I think you find that men do the commentating and they have the woman who's sort of the sideline reporter, you know, that interviews the coach at oh, halftime, yeah. oh, yeah. after the game, the player, that sort of thing. But there is a huge presence of, of women as far as working in sports um, commentating on, on all the networks, Fox Sports, ESPN, NBC, ABC, they're there. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Susan Shaver joins us here on our broadcast. And uh, now you were talking a little bit about this sports blog that, that you wrote for uh, for a while. T- t- tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, I. That is a sport. It's called Sports Pop Culture. My website is um, www.survivingparadise.biz. Yes. And it's kind of in small print, you can't really see it, but it's kind of, it sort of snuck it in there. It's sports, pop culture, and surviving paradise, because sports and pop culture are two of my passions. And so for a couple of years, I, I had one rule sponsor, this nice sports bar, and he advertised at my site, and I just, I enjoyed it, you know, because I loved writing about the different sporting event that I was particularly interested in at the time or had watched, or maybe a movie or a TV show. So I probably have about 2,000 posts. But I stopped doing it um, probably about a year and a half ago. I really wanted to focus on getting a screenplay that was adapted from my book and trying to pitch and market the, the book and, and the adapted screenplay. Now, uh, getting in, involved in the in the world of sports, we've got uh, Susan Shaver with us today. And what was funny was uh, that, that, that there's there's another female author that Irwin has booked on on the next on our next program. And uh, he was telling uh-huh. me he was telling me today. He goes, "Oh, I've got two wild women for you today." <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like, what? I've seen the emails. I did. I, I, unless Susan has drastically changed since I talked to her last, I think we're going to be I know. fine. No, I, I know. See, that's what I said. He overfilled. I, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here watching tennis right now. We've got the golf. You know, this is the day in Miami when all the fourth round men play. We do have my beloved Mr. Fetter up next. But other than that, I'm very chill. <laughs> <laughs> well, that 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 that's another thing. Let's talk about Roger Federer and uh, Let's and, talk and, about and everything. I never want to not talk about. <laughs> 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 give 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 me your thoughts on 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 this athlete and everything else. Isn't it remarkable what he's done this year so far? Yes. I mean, last year, you know, 35, father of four, turns 36 later this year, has the freak knee injury last year and after the Australian Open, running the bath for the twin daughters, and, you know, has kind of a really tough, sketchy year and ends up taking six months off. And, of course, you know, they do call Fed fans the greatest traveling fan base in all of sports, the Fed <laughs> That's and, awesome. <laughs> And I am a member. I only get one. <laughs> but you know, to come back and win the Australian Open like that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fully admit to this. I'm gonna cop to it. I cried. I, I got up at 3 a.m. here on the East Coast every time that Federer played, and I got up and I watched that final. 
and I was all prepared. I fully intended to get up and do the happy dance, and I couldn't do anything but just cover my mouth and, and sob. I, I was so happy for him, you know. And then, of course, they had the disappointment in Dubai, and then at Indian Wells, which where I was, and I did get to see him, it was so wonderful. I mean, the way he beat Nadal, I mean, that's the kind of ticket. You write the score on the back, and you say to your grandchildren. I mean, that was just surgical. And um, and I think when you talk about, as Erwin was wanting me to talk about, about sports and fandom and that yes, sort of thing, yes. I, don't play, I don't play tennis. I know how to play tennis. I have played tennis. To me, it's fun, recreational. I'm not a part of these many very competitive leagues and that sort of thing. But there's something about being in that crowd where you have so many Federer fans. You, you, you get this feeling of such camaraderie and excitement. And, you know, it's sort of like the, the Final Four with the one shining moment. During that time, you're just on a great high. And, hey, I thought I was a Fed fan. And I had this guy sitting beside me who told me he traveled all over the world to watch better. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, I lose. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I concede, although we did both We did both admit that after the second set, the Federer-TV Johnson match, when we found out he was going to play the doll on Wednesday and it was going to be a day session, that we both did sprint to the box office to get a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I did concede that yes, I did that as well. So. Now, now, uh, what attracts you to the game of tennis? You're, you you can tell that you're very passionate about it and everything. Uh, give give us give us some details on this. Well, I, I grew up um, with in a home where people play tennis, and um, you know, and, I, and like I said, I played for fun. My sister was actually very good. My younger sister, she was ranked on the junior ladder in in Georgia. And I would play her, and she would beat me, but it was okay. Um, you know, we'd have some tough matches, but it was okay. Like I said, I'm not real competitive individually. Um, so I kind of grew up watching it, and I, I had a thing for Bjorn Borg. He was, I liked Borg, and I liked the Borg-McEnroe contrast. Um, and then I, I got really all aboard the Fed Express. Um, of course, he and the doll have such contrasting styles, and that's part of the intrigue of that rivalry. Um, they're they're such great friends and have such respect for each other, you know, that it's it's almost it's hard to call them rivals. You know, Nadal cried when Federer actually finally won the French Open back in two thousand nine. That's how happy he was for it. But um, you know, Federer is just he, there's a really interesting article. He's on the cover of GQ. And, I, and, of course, I picked it up, and um, I just read it yesterday, and um, he, he's an interesting, he's really interesting. He's kind of dorky, you know, which is kind of okay, because I'm kind of dorky, too. Um, he loves movies, which I think is great, because I love movies. I mean, you can give me wine, you can give me anything else, that's all fine and good, but there's nothing that makes me feel better than going to a movie. And he loves movies. And um, it's an interesting article talking about him, but he... He has a tremendous amount of class, I think, and character and integrity, and he, he's been such a great ambassador for the sport and truly loves it so much. And, you know, he hasn't been named the, uh, the, the Stefan Edberg Sportsman of the Year by his fellow players 12 years in a row for, for no reason. So <laughs> it shows how highly respected he is by his peers. Well, uh, before we let you go, Susan, uh, promote the website and where we can pick your books up and everything else. 
Yeah, sure. It's again, it's uh, www.survivingparadise.biz, and there is a direct link to Amazon. I have a paperback for nine ninety nine. Kindle edition is four ninety nine. Um, also doing a flip cloud book promotion. If you go to flipcloud.com for the next thirty days, uh, anybody who purchases my book, they're displaying it at their site. It's either a gift card or a little prize. Well, I'll tell you, you you were you were doing some fantastic work. I appreciate you being with us today. Thanks for coming on the broadcast and uh, and chatting with us. I appreciate it, Susan. Thank you, James. It was great to talk to you again. Definitely. Have yourself a wonderful day. You too. Appreciate All right. Bye bye. Susan Shaver with us today. We are going to go to our next guest here in just a second. We're going to try to get them through here. They say the phone number is busy. Why is the phone number busy? Apparently, the phone number is busy. Skype won't let me do a busy phone number. What is that about? What is that about? No, we're going to do this again, guys, because we're going to call them on Skype. That's what we're doing. Hello. Hello. This is uh, James Lowe giving you a holler for your radio interview. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Pretty good, actually. Now, uh, we, we were just finishing up with our previous guest, so I apologize not, not getting to you as, as quick as possible here. But uh, go ahead and give us a brief introduction on yourself, my friend, and, uh, and tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Megan Edwards, and I'm the author of a new novel called Getting Off on Frank Sinatra. It is a mystery, kind of a lighthearted mystery, set in Las Vegas, which has been my home for the last 17 years. I love Vegas, I, by the way. I'm sorry, I just never expected to live in Las Vegas, but here I am and loving it. Hey, I'll tell you, every time we go out, we go out there at least once a year, and uh, I always uh, never want to leave. So, uh, <laughs> congratulations well, on, your on, name. On, on being uh, out there in Vegas. Now, uh, d- tell us a little bit about this book. Why did you decide to write this incredible book? Well, I had so much fun discovering what Las Vegas was all about um, on Beyond Being a Tourist here, which I also liked, but um, living here is a whole other um, bunch of things that I had no idea about until I actually decided to call Las Vegas home. And I enjoyed that so much, I thought it would be fun to have a character who was also discovering Las Vegas as a new home. So my character is a young woman who has moved from the East Coast to take a job at the newspaper, and she's finding out what Las Vegas is all about. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast. Now, uh, uh, this book is incredibly well-written. Tell me about the writing process for the book. Oh, writing is always difficult. It's mostly one word after another, and keep at it till you finally have a, a whole manuscript. I like to write first thing in the morning. I don't like the day to get away from me. And I also like to write about discoveries that i've made and las Las vegas being the sort of city where there's something new every day yes um it's fun to go out and find things out yes indeed we've got a uh, great guest with us today and uh she joins us live here on our big broadcast megan edwards and uh she has a great book getting off on frank sinatra and uh this this book like i mentioned incredibly well written tell me about some of the different reviews you've gotten on the book so far i have been really um pleased and honored to have gotten some very nice uh, reviews and commentary from readers and reviewers all over the country. 
Um, I like that they they enjoyed uh, learning about Las Vegas along with following the main character around. As she she's a bit of an un, um, unwilling sleuth, you might say, and certainly not a professional <laughs> one. But she does need she does get herself involved in a very high profile murder case and tries to find out who the who done it. Yeah. Now, uh, now, now the book, like I mentioned, incredibly well written, uh, put together just uh, uh, amazingly, amazingly. Uh, how long did it take you to put this book together and, and, and get it out there? I, I worked on it over the course of about two years. And um, I was doing other projects at the time. I write for other publications, and I also worked on other books. But, um, but I think it was about a total of two years that it took me to write it. And I've also... Um, written a prequel to it and then i'm about to begin working on a sequel oh wow now uh uh, tell me about some of the characters in the book well the main character um is copper black and she is a young transplant from the east coast and she has come to take her first post-college job at the uh, local las vegas newspaper where she doesn't have the kind of job she really wants she would love to be a, a bona fide journalist and her job is updating calendar listings. So she gets to write out lounge singers and hypnotists and things like that. <laughs> but she's yes. on her way. I mean, she's working at it. She wants to, to write some freelance pieces so that she can improve her chances of getting what she considers a real journalist job. Yeah. So she's the main character, but there are lots of others. Um, she has boyfriend problems, so there are those. And her family is... Um, they're, they just have their own issues, and she's because she's in her 20s, she's still connected to her family, who, and she's the baby of the family, so they don't like to think of her as an adult, even though she is one. So there are those tensions. And then there, of course, is a murder victim, and there's a murderer out there. And there's also a desert tortoise that gets inv- involved in the action. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our broadcast. The book, Getting Off on Frank Sinatra. The author is Megan Edwards. She joins us today on Skype Audio uh, here on our big broadcast. And um, Now, tell me a little bit about Las Vegas for, for folks that have never been there. Why is Las Vegas called the Ninth Island? Oh, that is such an interesting thing, and I enjoyed discovering that myself. It's called the Ninth Island by all the Hawaiians who live here. There is a large Hawaiian population, and in fact, uh, UNLV, the University of Nevada at Las Vegas, has uh, a large number of students who are from Hawaii. So there is just this tradition of lots of Hawaiians calling Las Vegas home. They came because of the, like like Hawaii, um, Las Vegas is a tourist destination. So there's a hospitality industry here that many Hawaiians found work in, and I think that's part of the reason they're here. And then once the community existed, of course, it it has a life of its own. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Megan joins us here in our broadcast. And uh, this this book, as as we mentioned, uh, in incredible read. Uh, the The characters in the book uh, just jump out at you. Um, uh, to t- tell us a little bit about that process and how you wrote it that way. Well, I think um, novelists always draw on their own experiences and certainly on the people they know and, of course, the person that they are. So uh, while all of my characters are fictional, I, I cert- they are conglomerations of people I know and experiences I've had. So I have, for example, um, Copper Black, the main character, lives in, in an apartment over her brother's garage. And her brother is an Episcopal priest who runs a mission, I guess, 
And uh, so that adds another element to the story. And she gets involved with his project because he's building a center for the homeless. And that um, attracts a lot of attention. And, and Copper helps out with her, even though it's beginning her journalism experience. We've got a, a great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our big broadcast. And uh, Megan Edwards with us today here on our program. And uh, this this whole thing with Vegas uh, is is absolutely amazing. Uh, you you have uh, a you have you have a website. I understand that uh, that, that has something to do with Vegas. Uh, LivingLasVegas.com. dot com. Yes, um, it's called Living Las Vegas because I early on discovered that there were a lot of interesting topics to explore and find out about here if you live here. and Or if you're visiting here and you want something to do that's not right on the strip and right obvious when you get off the airplane. Because not only is Las Vegas an, a large and growing city, it also is surrounded by some of the most spectacular natural wilderness in the country. So um, so all of those things. And the different um, communities that are here, you mentioned the Hawaiian one, but there are, uh, there are other uh, communities that you discover as you live here and go to the different neighborhoods. Um, there's a big Cuban uh, population, for example, and we have a Chinatown, and just lots of things you don't realize if you limit your experience to the Strip. We've got a great guest with us today, and, and that's one thing I've, I've noticed, Megan, about that about Las Vegas, especially the the second time that we went out there this year, uh, if 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 you if you go ab- around the area, there there is more to do than just being on the strip. It's absolutely amazing. It, it really is. I mean, um, people a lot of people know that that Grand Canyon is not very far away, but even closer, we have some of the most spectacular red rock. Um, rock formations and hiking areas in the country. And, of course, there's Lake Mead and Hoover Dam, which are wonderful to go explore. And there's boating, there's kayaking, and all sorts of water sports. And it's 45 minutes from downtown Las Vegas. In the other direction, we have a a very tall mountain that has a ski resort, and you can be there in 45 minutes. I I was shocked to find that you could be skiing in 45 minutes from Caesar's Palace. It's it it is it is absolutely absolutely an amazing area. We've got a great guest with us today. She joins us live. Megan Edwards is with us today. She has a great book, Getting Off on Frank Sinatra. It is now available. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about how being stuffless can uh, simplify and change the course of your life. Well, I was rendered stuffless. When a wildfire, I lived in Southern California at the time, and a wildfire came along one morning and burned down my house along with about 250 others in my neighborhood. That was a life changer. But one of the things I realized very early on was that if you don't have any stuff, you can do some things more easily. So my husband and I, because we didn't even have anything to put in storage, all we had was our dog and our cars, we thought we would... um, take advantage of that for a while, and we ended up buying a motorhome and living on the... We thought we would live on the road for about six months and explore and then see what we would do next. But that ended up being almost seven years that we lived that way. And we were able to see all of North America, and it was probably one of the most wonderful experiences I've had in my life. 
We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our broadcast. Megan Edwards is with us. She is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Now, um, you, you, you talked a little bit about some of the different uh, things in Las Vegas and some of the different cultures. Talk to us about the impact of Native American issues, culture, business, all this in, in southern Nevada. Well, the earliest inhabitants of this valley, and Las Vegas is in a, a valley surrounded by mountains, um, were Indians. And they are still, they still live here and are still part of the culture here. And, uh, on the north side of town, on the, the reservation land, they have a golf course and a casino. And they also have, uh, land within the city and in the surrounding areas. So they are a feature of life here, as in most southwestern states. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live. Megan Edwards has got a great book, Getting Off on Frank Sinatra. And uh, she joins us live also to talk about some things going on in Vegas as well. Now, tell us about the sin and sin city. That there, There's prostitution, mobsters, gambling. It's all over the place. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, that is the popular nickname for our fair city, Sin City. Um, amazingly, it's one of the most conservative places I've ever lived. But um, but Las Vegas, nonetheless, of course, makes a lot of money on the um, notion that people can come here and do whatever they want. Interestingly enough, prostitution is not legal in the city of Las Vegas or in the county uh, in which Las Vegas lies. It is, however, legal one county over. So for that sort of thing, you have to drive over to Nye County, which is about a 45-minute drive. That doesn't mean all sorts of things don't happen in Sin City. I think it does deserve its name, at least as a, as a tourist attraction. Um, and I think probably an ocean of liquor comes into our valley every day. All the food has to be brought in. I sometimes think of, of Las Vegas as, as a giant cruise ship in the desert, surrounded <laughs> by sand. But Yes. <laughs> Yes, you, you, you are correct on that. It is uh, Megan Edwards. She joins us today here on our big program. Frank Vernuccio coming up here in a few moments, and uh, we'll be talking with, with Frank here on our broadcast. Now, uh, the golden years between 1997 and 2007, and uh, talk about the impact uh, on life in Las Vegas. Those were, a lot of people do call them golden years, and I think it's an accurate term. They were a real boom time, not only for the Strip, but for the city as a whole. It almost doubled in size during those years. And also, we got lots of new streets. I probably should mention that, because the infrastructure needed to be improved, of course, during that time. And um, one thing I really liked is that a lot of the streets started being named after our iconic entertainers, like Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., and, of course, Frank Sinatra. So getting off on Frank Sinatra is a bit of a double entendre. Obviously, it can mean one thing. But in Las Vegas, if you get off on Frank Sinatra, you are taking the secret route up the backside of the Strip and avoiding all the traffic on Interstate 15. Absolutely amazing. We've got Megan Edwards with us today. She joins us live here in our broadcast. Now, Megan, before we let you go, how do we get a hold of you, the book, and, uh, and everything online? Um, Getting Off on Frank Sinatra is available wherever books are sold online, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of those outlets and bookstores around the country. And I'm online at MeganEdwards.com and also on Facebook, again, Megan Edwards, Twitter, and Instagram. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for joining us. 
Thank you so much. Definitely. Have yourself a wonderful day. That, of course, was Megan Edwards. That was Skype audio, and uh, it always sounds so much better doing it on Skype than it is on a traditional telephone. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm partial to the telephone. It's easier to just do it on Skype. I don't know why. But uh, it seems to be that way. We're going to take a break. Come back. Frank Bernuccio coming up. He'll chat with us about uh, what Trump's doing and what uh, what's going on. We've got more coming up. podcast is brought to you by Amazon. It's really easy to support the Jiggy Jaguar experience before you shop on Amazon. And we all know you do. Go to the website, jagshow.com. Click on the Amazon banner on the homepage. It's that easy. Remember, that's jagshow.com. Click the Amazon banner before you shop. Check out audibletrial.com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. For you, the listeners of the Jiggy Jaguar Experience, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend Do your kids treat money like it grows on trees? Imagine never having to hear your son or daughter say to you, Can I borrow $100 knowing quite well it is gone forever? It's time to change all that with a new system called Debt-Free Children. This innovative program allows your children, five years after high school or college, to pay cash for their house and car and still have money in the bank. The unbelievable has become reality. Debt-Free Children shows you how to teach your adult children to earn, save, and live a debt-free lifestyle starting right now. Order debt-free children today at just $19. It's a bargain that will pay dividends for a lifetime. Visit YourDebtFreeChildren.com to place your order now. That's YourDebtFreeChildren.com. An incredible new marketing partner with us today at Transmedia Worldwide, the fantastic, fantastic brand new Indiegogo campaign is live Indiegogo.com. Share your world with the rest of the world. Increasing civil engagement, connecting people, constituents, and policymakers in actionable ways. Isaac from Pittsburgh, United States, is helping us out today with this one. Check out I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Search Share Your World with the rest of the world. This is an amazing, amazing campaign. Check it out today and tell them. You heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. Did you know there's an orchid that looks almost exactly like a bee? This is the Creation Moments Minute. Consider the bee orchid. If you look it up in a book or on the internet, you'll see that it has a flower that looks just like a female bee. The purpose here is to attract male bees to a position that will load them with pollen. How can it be scientific to suggest that a plant purposely restructured itself to fool bees into pollinating it? God has purposely made it impossible to explain the creation without Him. 
He did this not simply so that we would see that he is real. His purpose is much greater. God seeks a personal relationship with you and has made that possible through the saving work of his son Jesus Christ for us. It is to Christ that he would ultimately draw our attention. For Creation Moments Minute, I'm Darren Marlar. to the Jiggy Jaguar radio show on the network. Welcome back to our big broadcast, coast to coast and border to border. Tune in, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country. And around the world, iHeartRadio as well. We go to the telephones. We've got our good friend Frank Fernuccio joining us. And uh, Frank, there is a lot going on. Uh, well, one of the big stories that I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, to, to kick off our broadcast here is these, uh, these GOP tax cuts. Um, Republicans are setting their sights on major tax cuts. There seems to be some bitter finger pointing clouds there's there's an agenda here um trump i guess has slipped 56 uh to uh 36 percent approval uh what do you make of all this my friend well clearly cutting taxes is one of the uh absolute anchors of the trump campaign and it's something that he has pledged to do yes. uh, in the wake of the failure so far and i do say so far because i don't think it's going to last inability of the GOP to pass a health care bill, going towards uh, tax cuts is something that I think the GOP needs to to fulfill the promises they made to their supporters in the 2016 election. Well, a lot of people are speculating they should have done tax cuts first before they did health care. Where do you come down on all that? I don't think there's a real timetable for either one. I think one of the problems is that the GOP has fallen into the media narrative that everything had to happen almost overnight. Let's not forget, this administration is just barely two months old. We're asking it to do things that most other administrations take quite a long time to accomplish. We've been talking about reforming the tax code and, and cutting up tax breaks for a long time now. I think it's somewhat unreasonable to expect that a new administration, and by the way, a new administration that doesn't even have all of its nominees in place, um, thanks to the uh, the actions by the Democrats in holding back on a lot of these positions, um, I think it's somewhat unreasonable to expect that they would have accomplished all this in the space of just about two months. We've got Frank Fernuccio with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone. And uh, uh, what, what do you make of these approval ratings? I know that uh, a lot of folks live and die by these, and the uh, the media seems to live and die by these. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've never understood the approval ratings. Well, remember, these are the same types of ratings from some of the same sources that predicted a smashing Hillary Clinton victory last November. And also the same sources that predicted a smashing defeat for the concept of Brexit in England. So theoretically, I don't think we should be very worried about any of these approval ratings um, or you can put much stock in them one way or the other. I don't think they mean much. They've been proven solidly wrong in the past couple of months. So, I, again, I, I think that uh, taking them too seriously is a mistake. We've got Frank Fernuccio joining us today. USA Gov Policy joins us each and every week around this time here on our big broadcast. And uh, coast to coast and border to border, we're going to be talking with uh, 
with Frank here about some of the different issues that are going on. One of the bigger issues is uh, this this whole thing of picking themselves up after this uh, bruising collapse of this health care plan. Um, I, I know that there was a lot of people that... Uh, uh, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that a lot of people don't know about, with with like the Koch brothers, who uh, who who you know said that they weren't going to help uh, a lot of the any Republican that uh, that voted for this and supported this, uh, they weren't going to help them with campaign contributions. And there's been some 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 shady stuff going on behind the scenes. It's it's it's, it's not it's not what they've been saying. It is Frank. I know that you've got a lot of details on that end as well. Well, remember, the promises that were made by GOP candidates had to do with market reforms for the most part. Uh, one of the reasons why health insurance is so expensive is that there's no competition for the most part. Each state restricts who can uh, operate in their state, so we, uh, you really are stuck with a limited number of insurers. Imagine the effect uh, if we had 50 states competing against each other. If you increase competition by 50 times, the price of health insurance would drop dramatically. What a lot of the people in the Freedom Caucus and other GOP power figures have been saying is that why didn't we ever give the free market a chance? What essentially the GOP bill that was voted down was, essentially was operating within the uh, spirit of Obamacare, which is that the government has to be the major player. The Freedom Caucus and the Koch brothers and others, for the most part, have been talking about letting the market be the determining factor with some assistance from the government. Now, that's a, a point that I think most of the GOP uh, supporters voted for, whether for their local candidates in which they won both the state and the, uh, both the, uh, rather, the Congress and the Senate, as well as the White House. And that's the reform I think most people wanted to see. That wasn't really present in the bill that failed. And I think that when it goes before Congress the next time, well, I think those are the alternatives that are going to uh, really be more important. Now, of course, you have to get some Democrat support. But remember, a lot of the Democrats are now coming from states which went for Donald Trump in the 2016 election. They are reachable if the bill seems viable and if the bill seems to have a real chance to lower premiums. So a much better written bill, I think, is on the horizon and I think when that occurs, it will have a great deal of success. We've got Frank Farniccio joining us today. And, Frank, uh, before we let you go, how, uh, tell us about the radio broadcast this weekend. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.